Happy Fourth of July. It's already been said. So great to have you. And, and those of you, maybe uh, guests from our town, saw us at the parade yesterday. Grateful that you are here as well to celebrate the Fourth of July. If you have been in church at Browncroft, you know we've been doing a series called Words to Live By. If not, let me tell you what it is. It's, just a, it's, a, it's basically a concept. It's an idea that the words of God as they're found in the Bible, the words of God as found in the Bible, are words that can change your life. Now, that's the basic idea in this series, that the words of God as found in the Bible can change your life. They're not just words to be heard and affirmed like a creed. Um, they're words that are they're truth. Yes, they are true words, but they're truth that we're supposed to live out in the course of our lives. So that's the basic concept and the idea behind this series. And in this series, which is started in June and spilling into July... All of the, those speaking, myself included, it's based on one verse of scripture, right? So there's one basic idea, just as an illustration, as a way to show that even one verse of scripture can be the reason or a way to which you and I can live out the words of God in our life. So the verse I've chosen for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and it's a message titled, or I've titled, The Power of Thanks or the power of thanksgiving. So 1 Thessalonians 5.18, my one verse for today's message says this, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I want us as a way to um, just kind of get us engaged here this morning, let's all say it together and say it like you mean it, even if you don't yet, okay? So let's say it together. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not a very good job. Let's try it again. Ready? With all your gusto. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, many uh, people might think, you might think, when you hear a verse like that, that it's saying something it's not saying. What it's, it's not saying that we should give thanks because all things are good, right? Let's give thanks and everything because all things are good, even though we know in our heart all things are not good. That's not what this verse is saying. And if you were to read the whole letter from which it comes, the congregation uh, of 1 Thessalonians, the congregation in Thessaloniki, you would see that that was not true in their lives. They had real problems talked about in this book, real troubles, real fears. In fact, I think the Apostle Paul says even in all circumstances, because he's trying to make that point. What the passage is saying, very important, you get this, right? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, for me, in Christ Jesus, is saying that your circumstances, whatever they might be, maybe they're good today, maybe they're bad today, whatever they are, are the wrong place or they're not the right place for you or me to judge what God thinks about you and what God is up to in your life. And see, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Even to Christian people, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you find yourself saying, well, listen, you know, things are not going so well in my life. Things are not going so well in my marriage. Things are not going so well at my job. Things are not going so well in the world right, the, 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 a pandemic, maybe God is not interested in what's going on, maybe God is not interested in me, that bad circumstances means God's disfavor, that's not what the Bible says at all, and here's the challenge of this message, 
What the Apostle Paul is saying to people in his day, and I'm saying to us in ours, is that by choosing, it's a choice, to give thanks in all circumstances. I don't know what's going on in your life. You can, you can bring something to mind. But by choosing, making a choice to give thanks in every and any and all circumstances, you can see the world in a different way. You can experience in the world in a different way without anything in your life changing. That's what this passage is talking about. So three ways, quickly, that I think uh, we can live this passage out. The power of thanksgiving. The first one is this. It begins with Jesus. It begins with Jesus. Let me say this. Hopefully it's not a surprise to you. Christ, the Christianity, the Christian faith is not about rewarding people um, who do good. It's not rewarding good people. That's not what the Christian faith is about. The Christian faith is not rewarding good people. It's forgiving all people, good, bad, or ugly, or indifferent, that come to God as they are, right? Christianity is not about rewarding good people. And, we, and it's amazing, 2,000 years of the Christian faith, that how many people still believe, even Christians subtly, they might not say it out loud, as I said a minute ago, that, you know, um, um, what it means, if your life is going well, if your family is going well, if your job is going well, it's a sign of God's favor. It's a sign of God's um, grace. And if your life is not going well, and if your health is not going well, well, then it's a sign of God's disfavor and God's judgment on your life. But the Bible, it couldn't be anything, uh, it couldn't be anything further from what the Bible teaches at all. Christianity is not, reward, it's not about rewarding good people. It's about forgiving all people, whatever their circumstances, that come to God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about God's grace, right? It's an undeserved love, undeserved love in the most vulnerable places in your life an undeserved love in your areas of sin, an undeserved love in your areas of personal failure, an undeserved love in the places that you feel unworthy, in the places that you or I feel unloved. This is what the gospel is, right? I don't earn it. I don't achieve it. It's given to me. One writer that I like, I've said this before, if you listen to me at church, if you're a brown crofter, but I love the metaphor one pastor said, what does it mean to be a Christian? It's like being kissed awake, right? One writer said, it's like being kissed awake. If you've ever had that experience with your spouse or a friend or a child, you're kissed awake and God comes to you. You're, you're, you're asleep. It's, it's kind of an, a, a metaphor, an example of being spiritually dead. God doesn't say, get up, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, demonstrate to me the quality of your faith. No, he kisses you awake. God's grace comes to you. Paul says in another uh, letter, the same writer said, listen, God demonstrates his love to us, right? God demonstrates his love to us in that while we are still sinners, that's the Bible's way of saying, while we still don't care, while we thumb our nose at God, where we say, no, thank you, I'll do it my way. While we are still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. This is the gospel, right? It begins with Jesus. And then it says these words. Rejoice always, pray continually, or I'm sorry, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, wait for it, in Christ Jesus. Now let me just say a word or two. What does that mean? If you read the New Testament or you listen to sermons, you hear people often say, in Christ Jesus. And it's used many, many times 
in the letters of the New Testament. And it's really a shorthand for what it means to be a Christian, right? But let me say what it is. What it means to be a Christian, for, for a lack of a better way of saying it, because it's such an amazing concept, it means, what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? It means that I have, you have, anyone has received, appropriated the, the, the finished work of Jesus that he died on the cross for my sins, Rob Catalani, for your sins, and he rose from the dead to give me a different quality of life over time as I study his word, as I pray, as I fellowship with other believers. It, what it means to be in Christ is to appropriate the forgiveness of Jesus. I'm a beneficiary of his finished work, but then it's not just a canceling of one thing. I come and receive a whole new quality of life to be in Christ Jesus, which means this, if you're a Christian here today, you have in Jesus someone who knows you better than you know yourself, right? No matter how old you are and how much you've been a student of your own life, you have in Jesus someone who knows you better than yourself. You have in Jesus someone who loves you more than you love yourself. And you have in Jesus someone who is more committed to your ultimate joy than you are or that I am. This is what it means to be in Jesus Christ. And let me say this too. Think, you know, uh, whatever your circumstances, I should say this. When you get that, okay, when I realize that I have in Jesus someone who loves me more than I love myself, who knows me better than I know myself and is committed to my joy more than I am, and when that gets a hold of your heart, nothing else in your life can touch it. No other circumstance can steal it from you. That's what Paul's trying to say. The power of thanks begins in Jesus. We had Flower City Work Camp um, this past week. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's a, it's a, we usually do it in the spring uh, of every year. It's hundreds of students and adults who go out in Jesus' name not just from Browncroft, but multiple churches. They go out into the city of Rochester, place in the city, and rehabilitate homes and, and do sports camps and do all this in the name of Jesus. It's a great experience. And this year, it's in the summer because of the coronavirus. We just finished it. I was walking out to um, my car on Tuesday, and I was just coming to my office, but there were a lot of people getting out of cars, getting ready for the gathering that sort of started the breakfast and worship gathering that started at the church. And this guy comes up to me. And he says to me, hey, uh, Pastor Rob, I uh, just want to introduce myself to you. Young man, probably in his 20s. And I, and I said, uh, hello. And he said, I just want you to know something. Never met this man. He said, I was in this church, your church, Browncroft, um, Easter Sunday 2013. And I, you gave a message, I don't know if you remember, it was on John chapter 11 on the, the res raising of Lazarus. And he said, that message changed the trajectory of my life. Imagine someone saying that to you. And before I could even respond to that beautiful statement, he said it like I wanted me, like I didn't hear it. He said, I just want you to know that Sunday, that message changed the trajectory of my life. I almost thought that angels were going to come out into the sky, you know, like you see those on you know, with trumpets. I mean, it was that kind of emotion. It was so amazing to hear somebody say that. And when he was done, I said, Chief, thank you. Never met this man. And I said, hey, what are you up to right now? What are you, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor at a church, and he named it on the west side. I said, that is so amazing. Thank you. And I went inside, overwhelmed with this beautiful word from this man. And then I eventually went into the auditorium, and he was the speaker 
of this summer's Flower City work camp. And here's the thing, the reason I tell you that story is when I got out of my car, you know, five days ago, whatever that was, uh, you know, um, after hearing that amazing news, um, all of my challenges and my troubles and my imperfect circumstances, they didn't go away when I heard that good news, but they were all put in a different context. Not only were they put into a context, but it was a fresh reminder of me today that whatever, no matter what is going on in my life today that's, un, that's unwelcome, that's imperfect, no, it's not gonna stand in God's way of doing something fresh in my life today, right? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me say something about Jesus too. I said it begins with Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus for a minute. We often think of Jesus as our savior, as I said a minute ago. He saved us. He died on the cross for our sins. We receive him and his life, and that's a gift. He kisses us awake. But Jesus is not just our savior. He's also our example. He's both, okay? That's why he lived a life that's recorded in the gospels. I receive him as savior, but I also look at him. I follow him. We call it follows Jesus. I want to live with his power and, and through his grace more like him. Think about Jesus on the Last Supper. Now, all of you know the story of the Last Supper, so I won't retell it, but Jesus is with his disciples. And he wants to say to them things that they will not understand. And he does that through this, this meal. He uses the meal, we call it now communion, the Lord's table, right, the Lord's Supper. But at that time, it was just a meal. They had it every Passover. It was, it was like a, a holiday meal. And they're having this meal, and he transforms the meal, the bread and the cup. But he says these very important words in the gospel. He said, listen, he took the bread... He gave thanks, and then he broke it and handed it out. He took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he passed the cup, and they drank it. This is my body. This is my blood. Think about that. Jesus Christ was about to face what had to be the most challenging circumstances of his life, for sure. And he knew it like you and I don't know it. I don't know something that's going to... I don't know what tomorrow brings. He knew what tomorrow brings. That was the point of telling the story to his disciples. This is my body, which will be broken for you. This is my cup, which represents my blood that will be spilled for you. Jesus knew what would happen in 24 hours, that he would suffer certainly more than any kind of suffering he'd ever experienced, probably he'd ever seen. You know the story. I mean, it wasn't just being crucified. By the time he got up on that cross, he was a bloody mess, Right? But he could say to his disciples as he was facing the worst circumstances, I can take time to give thanks. Why? Here's what he said in Matthew 26 in that same passage. He said, this is the last time I'm gonna have this meal with you, this bread and this cup, until, until I drink it fresh, new with you in the coming kingdom of my Father. Jesus Christ said, listen, I'm getting ready to face one of the most difficult circumstances that I will ever face and it's coming and it's coming at me at full speed. But I have the ability to look beyond that circumstance and I can see the men and the women, the young and the old of all kinds of people who are gonna be with me in the kingdom of God. I can see the fruit of how God the Father is gonna use this circumstances and therefore I can look at him in the face and I can give thanks. Isn't that amazing? The power of thanks begins with Jesus. Second thing for you and me, it includes everything. It's really the heart of my message here. It includes everything. He doesn't say 
give thanks for all circumstances. Say, that's kind of self-help. The Bible's not self-help. He's not saying give thanks for all. Listen, there's a lot of things I'm not thankful for today, right, in my life. There, my, I, I have failures in my life I'm not thankful for. People who have failed me, I'm not thankful for. Disease, I'm not thankful for. Sickness, I'm not thankful for. Pandemic, I'm not thankful for. Listen, broken relationships, I'm not thankful. There's a lot of things I am not thankful for. And just because I'm a Christian, just because you're a Christian, if you are one, does not say that you or I are going to be um, you know, uh, exempt from suffering and difficulty. That's not a Bible teaching either, Right? In any circumstance, Paul is saying to this congregation, listen, I know life is tough. I know there's been loss and trouble, but I want to tell you something. I know it's true for your life, as Paul would say, it was true of his own. See, it's not saying give thanks for all circumstances. No, my list is long of the things I'm not thankful for. Give thanks in all circumstances. There's where the power comes from. For the good things, yes. For the hard things, yes. For the good, for the bad for the ugly, you might say. Give God thanks for everything. What does he do here? He changes the focus by changing the subject from the circumstances to the will of God. Listen very carefully. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is a good idea. No, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will. He changes the focus by changing the um, subject. He, he goes from our circumstances, which where you and I spend most of our lives uh, focused on, and he says, I want to transfer it to the will of God. What is the will of God? It's a very, very big concept. But let me just say for the purpose of this sermon, for the purpose of this verse, the will of God is this. It's a, it represents the knowledge of God and the supreme authority of God over all things right? The will of God. God's will is so much bigger than my will, than your will, than, than the co corporate will of humanity. God's will is so much bigger. It represents all that God knows and all God's power that is at work in my life and your life. Said another way, there is only one person who is over the past, the present, and the future in your life, and it's not you. There is only one person. First of all, let's talk about the past where a lot of us spend our lives, right? Moaning and, and being limited by the sins of the past or by the failures of the past or the missed opportunities of the past. There's only one person that's over the past, that's over the present and over the future and it's not you, it's not me, it's God. And when you choose, there's a choice. I'm forcing you or encouraging you to make a choice today, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. It's a choice. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When you choose, when I choose to place God and his will at the center of my life, it has the ability to produce a joy in you in any and all circumstances. It produces a joy in you because you not only are touched by God's love and grace, you're overwhelmed by his forgiveness and, his, and his, his love for you, but you also understand like Jesus did that there is so much more in heaven and earth that you will never understand about your own life or about what's going on in the world. You and I can barely guess at what's gonna happen a year from now. God knows all things. And the more I put God's will at the center of my life, the more it frees me 
like it freed Jesus and it freed Paul to allow him to be the Lord of my life, not my circumstances. Because God is at work in all things, here's the principle, we can give thanks in all things because he can use even the worst circumstances in our lives for good. Let me say it again. Because God is at work in all things. Remember that famous verse, Romans 8, 28? You know, uh, 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 for we know that in all things, God works together for good. It's a very famous verse, but he's not saying, we know that all things are good. Well, that's, you don't need to be very sophisticated to know that couldn't be true. There's all kinds of things. That, he says, in all, we know that in all things, God works together, the, only, the sovereign of the universe who knows my past, present, and future, and yours, for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose or those who are in Christ Jesus. Because God is at work in all things, we can give thanks in all things, knowing that he can use every, even, I'm sorry, the worst of our circumstances for our good. I told a story in church, for those of you who go to Browncroft a, a few weeks ago, or a month or so ago, about the missionary, or the great woman who's known as a missionary, Corey Ten Boom. That's the last name, Ten Boom. She and her family lived in Amsterdam during World War II. And they were not Jews, so they were not the focus of persecution uh, by the Nazis, but they were out of the conviction of their Christian faith, right? They're out there living and doing what God wants, serving God's will. And God's will was, we're gonna help protect and shield some Jews that are our friends in Amsterdam, in Holland. Um, and they were hiding them, and because of that, they were exposed and these people, good upstanding people, who were not the focus of Nazi aggression at first, ended up in concentration camps. And she and her sister, Corey and Betsy, ended up in the Ravensbrück um, women's labor camp in Germany in a cell with a bunch of prisoners, as the story goes. There they were. Why were they there? Because they committed all kinds of crimes. Because they deserved it. Because they were sleep, they were lazy. No. Because they were taking, they had the courage and the, to live their convictions, to, the words to live by. They took the word of God seriously that said, share the faith with all people, even those in trouble, and let God handle the details. They were living it out. And because of that good decision that you and I would admire, they didn't just end up in in, in the county jail, they were in a concentration camp. And they were in this room, some of you know this story, that was not only horrible because it's, it's, it's a labor camp, but they were in a room with a bunch of women and it was infested with lice, right? On top of everything else. But Betsy, Corey's sister, Corey wrote the book, she had this little list of things she was thankful for. One of her verses was 1 Thessalonians 5.18 and she said this in the book. Corey and to these other young uh, women they were ministering to. Let's give thanks for all things, including the lice. And Corey said, that's taking things a little bit too far, <laughs> okay? I don't think that Paul meant or God says to us, we need to be thankful for the lice. That's taking it a little bit too far. That's what Corey said in the book. Now, Betsy died in Ravensbrook concentration camp. Corey survived. She went back to Amsterdam and she met 
two of the German prison guards who were over her and, and these women, and they told her why they did not ever go into this room or they didn't interrupt their work. They had multiple Bible studies. They led many people to Jesus, prisoners to Christ, and, and they always wondered why they weren't getting exposed. And, the, and these two guards said to her, listen, the reason we didn't break into that room, not only to interrupt the Bible studies that you were doing covertly, but God knows what else to a room full of vulnerable women was because we didn't want to be exposed to the lice and the fleas in that room. Isn't that unbelievable? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Corey Ten Boom went on to live for another almost 40 years. She traveled the world, she wrote books, and she had one of her singular messages was this. Wherever you are, friends, let me say this. Whatever circumstances you're in, it cannot be worse than living in a death camp. But in a death camp where we never dreamed we would be, God did an amazing work in our lives. And if God can do it there, he can do it in your life. He can do it in my life. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It begins with Jesus. So I don't know where everybody is in this room, okay, or in this uh, field. It begins with Jesus. If I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, for me it's been many years, there's no way I could even begin to try to give thanks for things in my life because I wouldn't have the resources to do it. But it begins with Jesus. Jesus loves you in the most vulnerable places in your life if you don't know that, Christian and non-Christian. He loves you in your sin. He loves you in your failures. He loves you in the places where you feel unworthy. He loves you in the places where you feel unloved. He comes, and he, if you're open to it, he'll kiss you awake. It begins with Jesus. Second, it includes everything, right? I'm, I, I, I wonder, I, I struggle in my own life to think, well, there are certain things that are off limits, right? I'll thank God for this. I'll thank God for this, but I'm holding this grudge, I have a lot of resentment and, and bitterness about this area of life. I'm not gonna thank God for this. Paul says, you wanna know the power of thanks? It includes everything. And lastly, let me say to us on this beautiful Sunday morning, the 4th of July, it starts today, okay? It starts today. Every single person here can live this verse out right here, right now. Many of us are waiting, if we're honest, for our circumstances to change, thinking if that circumstance changes, fill in the blank, single, I want to be married. Married, I want to be unmarried. You know, uh, I don't have kids, I want them. I'd like to, um, uh, you know, I'm not making enough money. I mean, you name it. We think that if the circumstances will only change, we'll be happy. The truth is, that's not the truth. The only way to true happiness, I'm talking about lasting happiness, which the Bible calls joy, it's something that's impervious to circumstances. It's something that circumstances can't touch. The only way to experience this kind of joy is to acknowledge God in all things, to thank him for all things, even, right? Give thanks in all circumstances, right? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Almost as if he's saying, even in all circumstances, Acknowledge God in all things. Give him thanks for all things. Listen, entrust him like Jesus did with the future. That's what I want to challenge us all to do, but let me give you this quote 
from a, a writer who wrote a whole book on this subject, Ann Voskamp. Listen carefully. This is your challenge. It's mine. It's impossible to give thanks and simultaneously feel fear. Giving thanks is the anti-anxiety medication I try to lay in my wide open palm every day. It's impossible to give thanks and mean it and at the same time simultaneously experience fear. Giving thanks is the anti-anxiety medication I lay in my wide open palm every day. So this is what I want us to do. We're, we're virtually done here, okay? But I want to challenge you. Whether you're a long-time Christian, new-time Christian, you're a friend of a friend, you don't, you're not a Christian, doesn't matter. But take a moment right now, I challenge you on this field to just take, I'm talking 60 seconds, we're going to take, and to pray. I, I hope you pray out loud. Let's hear a, I'd love to hear a, 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 a sort of a, 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 just a big noise on this field of people saying, what, what, do I, what are we praying, Rob? Find something to give God thanks for. Now, some of you might just say, Jesus, I thank you for my marriage. I thank you for my job. I thank you for things that you're really thankful for. But you can say a lot without saying a lot. I can say I'm thankful for my marriage knowing I'm, my marriage is in good shape, knowing my career is in, in good shape. But God knows, right? The power of thanks has to be exercised in giving thanks. This is, a, this is a, an imperative. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. God doesn't say this because he's a, he's a hard person. He says this because he wants you to experience a freedom that you're not experiencing right now. So we're just gonna take a minute right where you are. Stand up, sit down. You wanna pray with your wife or, your, or whoever you came with. Take a minute, one minute, and pray here this morning.